Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, or whatever else we feel like. And I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. And today, we're coming at you live, talking, not live at all, anyways, <laughs> talking about <laughs> football. Football! We're going to compress uh, two weeks worth of football, or two weekends worth of football into uh, one show, in part because we just couldn't find time after the one weekend and also because AM only played one game they had a bye week this week so we don't have quite as much football to talk about oh but i don't want to talk about the week we missed wait why don't you that week sucked no it didn't that week was awesome <laughs> not, not for me i mean it, it was terrible for the cowboys but it wasn't bad for AM. so <laughs> oh yeah but it was terrible for the browns yeah so <laughs> you know what you know you know what? <laughs> it's the Browns. <laughs> That's it. I don't have to sit here and take this. I'm out of here. Yeah. No, no, no. How did he leave the building? I don't. I mean, he's in a truck. <laughs> so if you watch the news report today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this man just walked out of his truck. <laughs> This is what that accident would look like if it ran into a school for bunnies. You know, I had I had that run through my head uh, the other day for some reason. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. The man who went home and then hit his wife. Wait, what? Mercilessly beat his wife. <laughs> I'm alive, but boy, am I angry. Somebody's going to have to pay for this. <laughs> Is it because I burned the, the roast? <laughs> yeah. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, we'll talk about the week that we missed. Week four of college ball, week six of NFL. Week four, college ball. The main team we care about in Texas fighting Texas Aggies played Mississippi State in Starkville, which is in Mississippi. Both teams are maroon and white as their colors, <laughs> which has in the past caused full-on interceptions. Like, you can tell. Like, oh, yeah. You can see the quarterback after the throw, and he's like, oh, son of a... Look <laughs> down at his shirt like... <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, man, that guy's wide open. And then he throws it in and he realizes he just threw it, like, straight to a defender. And he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> so occasionally they'll play in the visiting team will be wearing black to differentiate. And that's the snowball. I don't remember what the first snowball game was, but I think it was back from the Southwest Conference days. And I think it was a bowl game played between Mississippi State and A&M that got called the Snow Bowl. And one of the teams wore black and the other wore white. And then the first time Mississippi State and A&M played against each other again after A&M joined the SEC, A&M wore black because it was a game in Starkville. So it was kind of a throwback. So A&M playing Mississippi State in Starkville. The catchphrase for this game is the direct opposite of the catchphrase for last week's game or the week before that game. So the game against Florida in College Station, the theme on that game was a tale of no defense. 
right. The game ended up being 41 to 38. Both teams managed to stop the other team one time. So the punter, there were punters on the field twice, the total freaking game. (laughs) (laughs) And basically neither team's defense could stop the other team's offense. And A&M just kind of made the stop at the right time and, and came out ahead. And they did very good clock management down towards the end. So Fisher, I think, kind of finally played the ball well. So AM versus Mississippi State was more of a tale of no offense, which when you look at the score, the final score is 28-14 AM over Mississippi State. It doesn't seem like that, but the offense on both sides of the ball wasn't very good. Overall, for Mississippi State, it, it was a relatively unseasoned, not great quarterback who turned over the ball on several occasions. And just a, an AM defense that played a game I hadn't seen them play yet. Right. <laughs> they just came out a lot stronger than they had in, in every other game, especially against Florida. They looked well. And then I don't even count the Alabama game. <laughs> but against Alabama, against Vanderbilt, they didn't look that good. But they looked pretty good against Mississippi State. And this is a Mississippi State coming off of a loss where they literally only scored two points against their opponent the week before. Uh-huh. They were at home. You know, they were definitely looking for something after that. But they just couldn't They couldn't move the ball. In the third quarter, I want to say, or the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, they switched quarterbacks. And their, I guess, second-string quarterback, he did okay on his first drive. But after that, he was really no better than the first-string quarterback. I got to say, though, in this game, I thought Kellen Bond improved. Right. Okay, so when we move over to a and side of the ball, you have an offense with a lot of stops and starts. What worked extremely well, and the reason AM scored so many points was actually the reason AM scored so many points was the defense. Let's, <laughs> the, the defense uh, managed to intercept the ball and um, they blocked a, I think it was a punt. Yeah, I think they blocked a punt, which resulted in a one drive score because they blocked the punt. And then recovered the ball on like the one yard line. <laughs> so this was the game where AM got a penalty for not being inside the punt shield. Yes. And I was like, I had never even heard of this rule. I don't even understand what the rule really means. <laughs> My understanding of it is you have those three guys who are like the punt shield. The, the kicker shield or whatever, uh-huh. you can go around those guys, but you're not allowed to jump over them, apparently. <laughs> That's what I was able to put together from that foul. I'm still just dumbfounded. Yeah. There were two calls on that one because there, the, there was that foul and then was there a block in the back on the other side of it? Something like that. But they still ended up hunting it. There still ended up being a block. <laughs> on the other side of the ball, Kellen Mond in the third quarter, throws a ball at his receiver who is not looking. Like, he has his back turned. And the, <laughs> the defender, yeah, I can't remember if it, block, if it bounces off of him or off the, the his defender, but it bounces off of one of them, goes up in the air, gets caught by a Mississippi State defender who then runs it in for a touchdown. <laughs> like, like, and that should tell you, of the 14 points that Mississippi State scores, seven of them are scored by their defense, right? <laughs> and almost 14 of the points AM scored is scored by their defense. For the most part, AM's offense is primarily running. Their offensive line and their running core do a fantastic job in this game. 
just a fantastic job. If they can run the ball, that's, that's how they end up learning to throw the ball is that, okay, we can make progress some way, somehow, as long as we got the running game, then we could develop everything else, which means that the front line, that the offensive line is doing their job in either scenario, running or passing. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this before, uh, A&M's offensive line is mostly seniors. <laughs> it's mo- seniors and juniors. So they're, yeah. they're a solid offensive line. Yeah. So then you're just going, well, better enjoy it for the next eight games because that's going away. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to be like LSU, which is awful this year. But the reason they're awful is because 32 of their starters graduated or went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. You can only have like 54 men on, on the field, right? <laughs> so, right. That's, <laughs> and that's, you know, if you think of 32 starters, if you're talking about, you know, 12 and 12, you know, that's the entire team. <laughs> So, yeah. So um, the thing that was really lacking on Anna's offense was the passing game. And you know what? I'm most of the time I'm angry at Mond for that, and I think it was his fault about half the time. You know, we we have the throw where he threw it to the guy that wasn't looking that ends up being an, an interception and a touchdown. You have those instances, but you also have several times where our our receiving core just dropped the ball. Right, Mond put it in their hands, and they didn't catch it. Right. They had their hands on it. They just didn't bring it in. Yeah. They either bounce off, they was dropped, something. And I could definitely remember at least three to four times that I remember hearing that because I listened to the game on uh, ESPN radio, and uh, I was going, that's why Mon looks so terrible because his receivers can't catch. <laughs> yeah. Like it, doesn't, like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you are passing the ball. <laughs> if your guys don't catch the ball – then you're you're not going to get very many yards on uh, on throws, but yeah, that was that game. Like I said, it was a game of no to very little offense. Mississippi State has really struggled ever since their their first game. They were pretty good, I think, against Alabama or against Auburn, and then since then they have not been a very good team. Neither of their quarterbacks did very well. On the other side of the ball, Anum looked pretty good, and apparently we looked good enough after that game. We we went up to eight. Mm-hmm. Well, after that game and this and this last weekend, which they had a bye week, so I, you know, I don't know how that gets shuffled in. But we moved up two spots from ten to eight. That is the first time since I think we've been in the SEC that we've won in Starkville. No, I, I the game I was at in Starkville, uh, we won. <laughs> okay, it's the first time in a long time, I should say, because I think we lost. I don't remember last year, but the year before that in Starkville, we lost. And I think the one before that, we, and that was the year our first four games looked really good. Uh-huh. And we did well against Alabama. And we walked out of that game, and the like initial four teams they thought were going to go to the playoffs. AM was in that list. And then, of course, they go on and lose against Mississippi State. And then they kind of fall apart as a team after that. And that was sort of, that was sort of how we did things. We, you know, we had four or five games, and then we played Alabama, and then after that, we would fall apart. Since we had the bye, are we still at eight? Yeah. Okay. Because oftentimes, they'll rearrange and be like, oh, you had a bye week, so we're going to knock you down. It's like, well, WTF, that's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that week, there were no real big upsets. Clemson utterly destroyed Georgia 73-7, to <laughs> so that was a big <laughs> highlight. SMU barely beat Tulane. Didn't Kentucky beat somebody? Notre Dame beat Louisville. 
See, I'm just looking at the top 25, so I don't know who Kentucky played. If it was a big uh, upset, it would have been in the top 25. So <laughs> Right, that's kind of what I was thinking. And here's the thing about the top 25 right now. It's really strange. Like <laughs> Clemson and, and Alabama are there and Georgia, but you have University of North Carolina is ranked 15. BYU is ranked 11. Coastal? I don't even know who Coastal is. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're, they're ranked 20. SMU is 22. Marshall? Marshall is 19. And then now you have all the Big Ten teams playing, and they're so they're in the mix now. But it's, it's weird. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> the year of COVID, man. COVID season. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, Boise State. So Boise State's ranked 25. Eh, that's why, because I just passed through Boise. Big games from this last weekend, not any real huge ones. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're, you know, Clemson beat Syracuse, which is, I think, one of their bigger teams they play in the ACC, because let's be honest, it's the ACC. <laughs> Ohio State destroyed Nebraska, so they're kind of proving the fact that they're actually pretty good, which they always are. Penn State, Indiana was really close. It was 36-35 in overtime. Indiana won. Uh, Michigan, Minnesota was kind of the big Big Ten game, I guess. Michigan pretty handily destroyed Minnesota 49-24. The really interesting one to me, Cincinnati beat SMU 42-13, to and Cincinnati is now ranked number seven. Wow. Over us. Wow. <laughs> so... That's the most interesting one. Right. Especially when you consider me like, who has Cincinnati faced this year? I mean, unless you say that Cincinnati beat Ohio State, I mean. Uh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah, because I remember them playing, I think it was UCF for the bowl game a couple of years ago. And that was like a big game. Yeah, it was last year. And that was partly because UCF, uh, they didn't lose any games. They were uh, undefeated going into that. And then Cincinnati beat them. Right. Cincinnati this year, and they played SMU, and they played South Florida so far. Yeah, not exactly a riveting schedule there. Yeah, they're going to play Memphis. They're going to play Houston, East Carolina, uh, UCF, Temple, and then Tulsa. Out of that list, Houston and UCF are the only ones that I sound that I think are anywhere impressive. Right. So I, I don't know how they got ranked seven, but they did. <laughs> Crazy AP system uh, yeah <laughs> yes who knows how this system works listening to that game i thought it was a solid game and i think when you look at the rest of our schedule i think the only question mark might be lsu no that's not a question mark at all lsu looks awful <laughs> like flat out you know i don't know if we play anybody difficult for the rest of the year well see it's hard to tell because the uh, people keep beating other people that they're not supposed to beat <laughs> you know like south carolina carolina beat auburn which not supposed to happen <laughs> but yeah that's who we're playing this coming weekend is uh, auburn oh sorry sorry we're playing South Carolina, not Auburn. Oh, <laughs> South Carolina is always one of those those games where we're like, yeah. yeah, we're supposed to play Auburn this year in December after LSU. So theoretically, most people are expecting us to win South Carolina. They're expecting us to beat Tennessee. They're expecting us to beat Ole Miss. And then they're expecting us to beat LSU. And so the question mark is Auburn. But again, Auburn's not looking that great this year either, which is odd. <laughs> Normally they're they're doing pretty good, but they lost against Georgia, which is not shocking because Georgia's pretty good. They beat Kentucky, they beat Arkansas, and then they lost to South Carolina, and then they beat Ole Miss. So it, 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 Auburn doesn't look that bad, 
but they did lose to South Carolina. So that's, that's the question. Are we going to walk into next week and get creamed by South Carolina? Or did Auburn have a bad week? <laughs> like, and I think that in the general, well, we should come out looking pretty good. We should be better than six and six. You know, <laughs> what were we last year? Seven and something. Seven and five. We were not as good as we were the year before, if I remember correctly. Huh. Of course, you know, the problem with last year was we literally played the number one team in the nation three times. Three times. <laughs> three bleeping times. So that's college. A&M's looking pretty good. Honestly, it was a fun game to watch. And I'm trying not to get excited because <laughs> every time I do, I have my hopes expertly dashed. <laughs> you sound like a Browns fan. <laughs> That's a good segue in covering NFL. We'll do it week by week, and I'll, I'll start off by just saying the Browns played Pittsburgh, and there's not much to talk about that game other than we were just awful. <laughs> I'm trying to refrain from using all the swear words that, that are coming to mind when I think about that game, but we just choked hard on that game. I think we got seven points, and then that was it. <laughs> and I don't even remember when we got those seven points, but it, it didn't matter. We just got rolled. That was kind of a similar story for the Cowboys. You know, this was a first full-on Andy Dalton game. And the fact is, between the front line and our quarterback, we're playing with the second or third string for everybody but the wide receiving core and the running backs. So if your offensive line can't block to give your running backs the ability to run and your receiving core doesn't have a passer who can throw the ball to them because he doesn't have enough time because his offensive line is letting the defensive line <laughs> tackle him. Right through him. <laughs> right. Then you don't move the ball. Plenty of turnovers, as always. But Carolina just sort of walked all over us. And the defense has just been bad. They look like A&M <laughs> in a lot of ways. Not, not able to tackle anybody. And that, that's just one thing I will say about the A&M game. Our guys could actually tackle people. It was nice to watch. <laughs> but, yeah, our defense couldn't stop them. And our offense couldn't move the ball. So that, that made for a pretty lousy game. I think the final score was like 20-something to three. And we managed a field goal. <laughs> so I guess we move on to this week? Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's that's how bad the week before was. Is that This week is much better to talk about. I'll, I'll just do the Cowboys real quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll put this in perspective. After the game against the Cardinals, I watched a, l- a little video of a guy that was so angry at the win over the Cowboys that he threw his beer at his TV, his, you know, flat screen TV on the wall, and then walked up to the TV and punched it three or four times until it fell off the wall. And then he walked over it and pulled a gun out and shot the TV (laughs) (laughs) six or seven times. (laughs) That level of anger is nothing in comparison to, to, to what it was like watching the Cowboys versus uh, the Washington football team. It was so bad. It was like the highlight of the first quarter, like the best the Cowboys could do was when Andy Dalton had strip sack fumble was that when he fumbled the ball, one of our own off- offensive guys managed to recover the ball in the end zone couldn't make it out, got, you know, tackled in the end zone. So it became a safety, but he kept it from becoming a touchdown because he kept the Washington football team from recovering it and making it a touchdown. The <laughs> highlight being 
that the the points that they 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 lost at that point was two instead of seven. Right, and then we kicked the ball off for the safety, and they drive the ball down in like seven or eight downs and score the the seven points. So <laughs> it was bad. Like the defense, it was very much like there was just no animating or cohesive spirit on the team. Like all of the wind had been knocked out of everybody at the same time. Nobody could do anything right. The offensive line was as about as atrocious as you could get. You know, against the Cardinals, Zeke managed to at least get a couple first downs. <laughs> he couldn't run anywhere against the Washington football team. The offense, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't throw, they couldn't catch, they couldn't run the ball. On the defensive side, they couldn't stop the Washington from doing anything. Uh, it was just atrocious all, all the way around. And, you know, the announcers talked a lot about the, la- you know, Prescott being gone and that Prescott, you know, he's not just gone on the field. Uh-huh. He's gone in the locker room. He's gone at halftimes. He's gone, you know, in timeouts. He's gone during the week. He's gone from practices. He's just, he's gone. And so their kind of thought process was he was sort of leading the team. He was sort of like keeping the team together and leading them and and was the kind of cohesive piece. And now with him gone, nobody has real strength to go forward. And then on top of that, in the third quarter or second, I can't remember. No, I think it was third quarter. Uh, Dalton, Andy Dalton, the, the you know our second string quarterback, who's now our guy, runs the ball, does a slide, and it gets hit. Illegal hit, helmet to helmet, and goes out of the field, you know, driven off the field. So he's out. So we're now on our third string quarterback. One of the problems with Dalton is he doesn't throw real fast streamlined passes, and he is skittish. Like if he senses the pocket is collapsing, he'll spend more time looking at his defense than trying to find a play downfield. Well, yeah, that's because, you know, Andy Dalton used to be the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so he's well practiced in getting just laid out by the other team's defense. Yeah. Whereas the guy, was it Baducci? I think it's Danucci. He pretty much had no awareness of what was going on around him and the fact that his his pocket was constantly collapsing. So I think within like his first drive, he was sacked twice. And then his second drive, he was sacked at least once. He's not a- aware yet, I guess, of how bad our offensive line is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the game ended. Uh, in the Cardinals game, Cowboys actually got a touchdown. So it ended up being like 38 or 40 something to 10. But you know, against the Washington football team, it was 20, is it 22 to 3? I-, I think was the ending score. So, yeah, I don't. Is bad. I don't, I don't. Nobody really knows what's going to happen with the Cowboys this year. A lot of people just want to, you know, say, "Hey, you know, that was, it was playing football was fun this year. We're done. We'll see you next year. <laughs> just forfeit the rest of the season and, and walk on." <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my game experience was uh, was different. I, I don't want to say it was like completely different, just because the way the game started. So the Browns played the Cincinnati Bengals for the second time this year. Cincinnati's got their number one overall draft pick, Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow, quarterback for him. One of the 32 players that was drafted from from LSU. <laughs> <laughs> so after getting just completely shellacked by uh, Pittsburgh, uh, we were pretty confident we were going to do good on this one because we'd done good against them earlier in the season. Did not start out that way. It, it just started out 
very bad at me. And uh, listening to the game, I was just about like, you know, I was beside myself after the first quarter. The first quarter, Cincinnati got 10 points and Browns had done no points at the end of the first quarter. And Baker Mayfield went 0 for 5. And his first play on the Browns' first possession, the pass was intercepted. And I was just like, oh, here we go. This is going to be typical Browns, just completely chokes. And we got, we're never going to win another game the rest of the season. Essentially, our big superstar wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., gets hurt, leaves the game. We come to find out the next day it's in a torn ACL. So he's, he's done for the year. But yeah, he gets hurt. Yeah, I saw that. Baker's hurt. <laughs> and our, our star center was hurt and thinking, oh, here we go. This is <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Second quarter starts, and after the second quarter, Baker Mayfield does not miss a single throw, and the game turns into a shootout. Just back and forth, back and forth, mostly back and forth. I, I can't really speak to Cincinnati's defense, but our own defense can't cover a wide receiver to save their life. They are just awful against the passing game, and every team in the NFL – is just going to pass against our defense unless something dramatically changes. So it was just a real back and forth. But for the first time in a long time, the Browns didn't have really much of a running game. And uh, like I said, Baker Mayfield was able to make every pass, some of them in the pocket, some of them on a play action. But he, he made it. And even so, like the uh, Bengals in the fourth quarter, get a touchdown and take the lead by three points. They're in the lead by three points with a minute six left in the game. And Baker Mayfield drives it right down back again, downfield. And I want to say four or five plays and gets the touchdown with 11 seconds left on the clock. And it was just, it was phenomenal to listen to that game because at that point, we weren't sure that Baker could do that, that he was capable of playing from behind and being able to drive a team to victory in a must-win situation. Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed I wasn't able to watch it because it wasn't being broadcast on any of the major channels. So I was flipping. After the Cowboys game ended, I started flipping through other games and ended up settling on Steelers-Titans. But yeah, I was and I was like watching the scores and I was like, oh, man. Oh, no, the Bengals scored again. <laughs> yeah. There's only a minute and something left. Ah. <laughs> so it was just really thrilling. And I think because after the loss from Pittsburgh, people were going, all right, maybe Baker Mayfield's not going to be the quarterback for the Browns much longer. But he definitely changed people's opinions um, this past week. And Miles Garrett, he's got an unbreakable streak going right now of a sack in every single game this season. He had two sacks, one of which was a strip sack fumble. He's just unbelievable. But that being said, because you've got one superstar defender doesn't mean that, you know, he can he can stop an entire offense. So that that's why, you know, we can talk about Miles Garrett all day long, but unless they fix their their problems in the secondary, people are just gonna be scoring on the Browns. But uh, I still love it. He, Miles Garrett's right now in the he's the league leader in sacks with nine and seven games. So all sorts of good things. Baker Mayfield had 20 consecutive completed passes, would have had 21 if it weren't for the he spiked the ball to stop the clock, which I think is kind of lame, but whatever. He still set uh, Brown's record. Just a really exciting game. Man. Um, so we go back to Cleveland and we play Las Vegas next week. So when you look at our schedule, there's only three games that I think people look at and go, we'll probably lose. One is Tennessee, probably the second Steelers game, probably the second 
Baltimore game because the Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens are just super good. It's one of those things you look at them and go, yep, that's a good team. It's going to be hard to beat them no matter who you are. Yeah, and that was honestly because I started watching the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game, so the Titans versus the Steelers after the Cowboys game, and that was real close coming down to the line. That was another 37-34 game. Uh, with a minute left, and Tannehill, who was a former A&M quarterback, was driving the the Titans down the field, and he had them within the thirty, and um, you know had kind of a two two series. One was uh, it was going to be a completed pass in the fifteen around the fifteen mark that got taken away from him by a holding call, which also cost him another five yards. And then, you know, an incomplete pass after that. And so they had to kick the ball to try and tie the game. And, uh, you know, the kicker, basically that five yards they lost from the holding <laughs> call <laughs> cost them the, because uh, that ball was going straight until until pretty much it got into the end zone area. And then it started to go right. And then just right outside the, outside the post. Well, and the bigger bummer for that game and for Tannehill specifically is that Tannehill came to Tennessee last year after being after being let go by the, the Dolphins and people were like, Oh, Tannehill's not a good quarterback. He just, you know, he completely stunk in Miami. And then as soon as he got to Tennessee, he started rocking and rolling. He started being a good quarterback. They got to the playoffs that year. And this year they're still rocking and rolling. You know, you can't deny that Tannehill's the reason for it and he's a good quarterback. But when stuff like this happens, you're just like, that just sucks, because I mean, he could have had a game because you know, they were down what twenty four to seven at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were pretty far behind. Yeah, yeah, and they had a chance to to come tie it up and maybe win it in overtime, and it just gets taken away because of a holding call. I feel for the guy because he's he's turning out to be a good quarterback, and I think you're starting to see a little bit of that with Baker Mayfield. Now, that's the big talk after the Browns game is because Odell Beckham Jr. went out towards the end of the first quarter, and then all of a sudden Browns come out into the second quarter and they just start winning. And so the question is, is Baker Mayfield a better quarterback with or without Odell Beckham Jr. out on the field? And the reason why that, that's a good question is because so many times we've seen Baker Mayfield try to force a pass to Odell Beckham and just nothing happens. It's a bad throw. It's a bad read. It, they're obviously not communicating on how the play is going to go. So it becomes a real question as to whether or not you want to keep Odell Beckham Jr. And he's a real potential star, you know, in the NFL. But maybe he doesn't work too well with uh, with Mayfield or something. Right. And so there's a lot of questions there. Now, a lot of the radio guys are like, oh, no, that's ridiculous. That's insane. How can you say that? But the empirical evidence shows that when, when Odell Beckham Jr. left the game, Baker Mayfield didn't miss a single throw. And that's, you know, maybe he just... He needed that to force himself to open up to other receivers. So Next week will be another one of those, let's see what happens now. And I think that might be the theme for the Browns this year is let's see what happens now. Yeah. Because they got an easy schedule except for those three games that I mentioned. <laughs> if they can do what they've been doing, which is winning when they're supposed to be winning, they'll definitely make the offseason very interesting on how, who and how they keep what players because of all these superstars and they only have so much money to keep them. But right now, the Browns are a 75% chance of going to the playoffs this year. That's pretty good. 75% chance for the first time since 1990-something. And, and, you know, I talk about how terrible the Cowboys are 
that loss against um, Washington. So Washington and the Cowboys now have the same record, which I think is uh, two and two and three or two and four. I can't remember either way. <laughs> so Washington's doing better than them, but our, but the conference, the, the NFC East, is so bad that the Cowboys are still ranked third <laughs> in the conference. <laughs> you mean the NFC least? <laughs> the NFC least, yes. The toxic sludge conference. I, I heard. I heard one announcer call it. I was like, "Well, that's a little far," but <laughs> harsh, but fair. Harsh, but you know, fair. Yeah. Oh yeah, just a, I guess a comment about uh, college ball this last weekend. LSU played South Carolina and they beat South Carolina fifty-two to twenty-four. Hmm. But Mississippi State in the first game beat LSU forty-four to thirty-four. So. <laughs> I just don't know what to expect. <laughs> right. That's a, that's when you said that. I was like, hmm. So does that make me more confident about playing South Carolina or less confident about playing LSU? Playing LSU. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the answer is, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> well, we got till Thanksgiving, right? We got three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so three we'll weeks till we have to worry about that. But yeah, yeah. As far as uh, most of us are concerned, in the Cowboys area, we you know season's over. <laughs> See you next year, folks. But I will keep watching games and reporting on them. So now I got a reason to keep watching the Browns this year. <laughs> Try not to get excited about A and M. I'd like us to keep doing well. There's some people who think we're going to run the table, um, which is entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> Because we've already faced the hardest team that, well, potentially the hardest team that that we should face. And so it's like, yeah, I can confidently say we have faced the one team that is playing like it normally does every game. And that's Alabama. And they played like they normally did against us, (laughs) you know, 52 to 24. But every other team is a question mark. Every single one of them. Like Alabama is the only question mark and you know, it's going to be a loss. Like that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everything else way too up in the air right now college ball definitely interesting this year i don't really i don't and i honestly i don't think it matters who your team is i think it's it's an interesting year yeah and i think it both college and uh the nfl i mean because i do a sort of uh pick them you know a free pick them game on the espn app it's you know you just pick the the winning team and stupidly i'm still in the air quotes league where they choose the winners by point spread. And it, that's really not worked out well for me because I was going to say <laughs> so many times the point spread just kills me. I think I had my second or my absolute worst week this past week where I, I picked four correct ones. Now, one of the games I can't, I think it was the Buffalo game, Buffalo versus the jets. And it was like a 12 point spread. And I still picked the, the bills over the jets. And I was like, Wow. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I really thought the Jets were that bad. I mean, the Bills still won. They just didn't they didn't win by over twelve points. So, <laughs> but I think that's the kind of year you're having, where you know Vegas could tell you the odds, and it's still you're still going to crap out. <laughs> yeah. So those are some nice odds, Vegas. I don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think it's a very strange year this year with with football. Yep. So yeah, those the last two weeks, folks. Yeah, appreciate you uh, listening in to our conversations about foosball. Remember, we have a website, patinthefatman.com. You can go check it out, leave comments, questions, concerns, 
Uh, like us on wherever you do your social media. Share us. Go on to your podcasting service and uh, give us like five stars or, <laughs> or, or however many stars you feel like it. But we would prefer five because it helps us get up in the rankings and leave a review because that helps us too. And yeah, spread the word. See, as of this recording, Game 6 of the World Series is happening right now. Hopefully we'll have a World Series roundup uh, shortly after there's a final winner in that. Yeah, we'll be doing the, the roundup of the American League Championship Series and then the World Series. Because uh, last last we recorded, I think we were two games into the ACL or ALCS. So, so I'll be on the lookout for that. And um, uh, thanks for listening to us. This has been another episode of Pat the Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Stay classy. Go Browns. God, who do they play? Shoot. I just I just dropped it out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> was it Alabama? No, it wasn't Alabama. That that was a terrible game. Texas <laughs> <laughs> A&M. Uh, football schedule for 2020. It's nice that Shay edits all this crap out. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shay. We love you. She's probably keeping all the clippings together so that way when she gets really pissed off with us, she goes, listen to these idiots. They don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs>